This is GWC podcast number 350, recorded November 18th, 2012. In this episode, it's old times at GWC, where we go back to our galactic heritage and watch the first four episodes of Blood and Chrome. But first, your hosts, three unrepentant sci-fi geeks. I'm Chuck Cage. And one day you end up a big evil, you know, crap ass. And with me, Audra Heston. If I had a nickel for every time I got boned at the eye of Jupiter, man. And Sean O'Hara. <laughs> I shall fart <laughs> Our mission, enjoy new science fiction, fantasy, and other cool stuff every week and share the experience with you. Oh yeah, and have some fun in the process. GWC is brought to you largely by the generosity of listeners like you. It's your donations that keep us going. For more information on how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. And the fine folks at audible.com. Visit www.audiblepodcast.com slash watercooler for your free audiobook. Of course, we'd love to hear your opinions, too. So if you have something to say or, hey, you could introduce us to something new, don't just holler at your MP3 player. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229, extension 701. And leave us a voicemail for inclusion in a future show. Better yet, you can join the GWC community, a group widely recognized as the friendliest people in sci-fi, and watching, reading, and enjoying all kinds of cool stuff 24-7 over on galacticwatercooler.com, our website, blog, and forum. GWC is a spoiler-free podcast, and we define spoilers as definitive information regarding material not yet released in the United States or its country of origin. In short, if it's out, it's fair game. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Deed. It's so much nicer outside now than it was in 105. I don't know. Are you one of those cold weather fanatics? You know, I am since I got a heater in the garage. (laughs) I'm fine with that now. But it's been actually pretty pleasant. I don't know. Everybody's been like, oh, I just want it to get cold so I can wear my, uh, my winter clothes. And I'm like, man, you know, I do things outside. I would appreciate... I. You know, I, I'm not as interested in the fashion as I am being able to do things. <laughs> you know, <laughs> come on. Well, that's true. Although, I, For, uh, yeah, I'm not in the weather. I'm in the garage, so it's a little bit different. You, you could just freeze yourself out in the garage if it's cold because you're not really moving around <laughs> a whole lot, but you are working, so. right? Not like you, who's biking seventy miles a day. <laughs> not or seventy miles. A day. <laughs> you're like thirty. It's it's very different. <laughs> Less than that, sadly. Yeah, it was funny. We went with the uh, the group ride the other day, <laughs> and uh, they divided it up into like you know the advanced riders, the people who ride like really fast and really far all the time, and then us. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and us. <laughs> well, I could do the <laughs> and distance. The, guy, you the know? guy who was like kind of in charge. He's of funny. Yeah, he's like. Okay, we're going to do all you know, this detailed stuff. The A group then... is going to go up here. It'll be about 50 miles and it's only, it's 37 degrees, no wind. It's gorgeous day. You guys, you're going to do your little 20 miles. We'll meet up back here. <laughs> you guys, like, uh, like, everybody else ride till you die. We'll just they, pick you up. You know, up. he's like your little 20 miles and he kind of like flicked his hand like he was brushing away poo. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is the guy's actually not too bad. Yeah. Like when you talk to him in person, but when he does that he's every one of those morning, guys that wears Birkenstocks he's a complete even when it's douche about it. That's <laughs> <laughs> funny though. I know it's who cool, you are. And I spit in your soup. It's cool though. It's yeah. cool. I mean, 
What's funny is I, I, I could do the distance, but I don't think I could do the speed that they do. They they just go too quick for me. I'm not good enough to do that yet. Yeah, psh, me either. One day. I still have day. butt sores. It's <laughs> <laughs> not true. You're told. It's like bed sores, but just, you know, you know very in, in one centrally place. located. Yeah. <laughs> very focused place. Location, location, location. <laughs> right in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember when, when I, I mentioned that, I quoted that on the podcast. <laughs> and someone and somebody in. got it. Somebody like, kicked it back I to you. remember that movie. <laughs> You're like, oh. like nobody would ever remember that movie. <laughs> and of course, it's one of the things about it GWC Alpine that's something? awesome. Uh, I can't even remember Alpine now. Alpine Rush or I can't. Remember. No, no, it wasn't. It was. You're thinking of that one with uh, what's his name? That's now a director that does pretty well and yeah. no, nobody likes. But it's a skiing movie. I'm thinking of. Oh no, it that's was. that movie that you like, Chuck. <laughs> that's a movie you like, Chuck. That only you like. <laughs> no, I, I saw that movie, but. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's a bunch, of, a bunch of rich people, you know, like swooshing down the mountain. It's like a soap opera, you know, plus skiing. Well, yeah, it's like Star Wars is kind of a soap opera plus stars. <laughs> no, it's true. I, I don't think so. Plus, no, I, killer robots. I mean, soap opera like the Alpine movie was like it was like a soap bad, opera because uh, it was all these like ridiculously good-looking people in ridiculously trendy clothes saying really inane things to each other. It was and, like, like a Calvin Klein commercial, and like no. wife swapping and stuff. It was just annoying. <laughs> I don't remember the wife. So I need to watch that movie again. <laughs> it's like there was wife swapping. I didn't recall the wife swapping. Oh, I, just, I just remember a, like a you know. I was like, that's what rich people do, right? I just remember a proliferation of bad sweaters and big hair. Well, that's skiing. What does that equal wife swapping? It's a small step. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a gateway drug. <laughs> skiing sweaters. It's a gateway. Cheap argyle leads to <laughs> wife swapping. That's the way it happened. It better off dead. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> Inspired words from a man who loves to ski. <laughs> right after, right after, the right movie after stopped, that, was, pff, they went. They right drove in. away in the Camaro and went to the first wife swapping cabin they found. Yeah. Well, hey. <laughs> I think we should get into the news. I think it's news time. And now, It's not on the board, but I'm going to talk about Halo now. I was just going to say, oh, I'm sorry. I wait, forgot to put it up wait, there for you. No, I have something more important to interject that we agreed on earlier. Dinnerject? Uh, we, uh, no, Sean and I were talking before the podcast, and we feel that it is very important with all of the discussion of Transformers 4 coming up <laughs> that, that everybody's missing out on one key thing that we should all be requesting, which is an appearance of Hot Rod. I would agree with that. Yeah, Hot Rod is... He's just too critical and too awesome to not be in the franchise. And or Rodimus Prime. Yeah, I would be okay fine. with either, that. Either is acceptable. Totally. That's fine. But uh, yeah, I think Hot Rod is an important part of, of Transformers lore and has been grossly ignored. However, I will put it with the caveat that if they do the if they plan on doing the same better, thing that to him that they did to RC, yeah. don't bother. You know, when yeah, exactly. he shows up, he shows up, pink turns into a unicorn, a <laughs> turns into a unicorn. unicycle, yeah, and dies unicycle. like thirty seconds later. Yeah, that would not be cool that, for me. That, I, I'm not down. But it, which is exactly what they did to RC. It was one of the most badass Transformers ever to grace the the series. But uh, I would be very in, in favor of a hot rod appearance. 
I, I agree. So we are asking you to help us begin the campaign. Get on social media. <laughs> get on Twitter. Get on Facebook. Tell everybody. Rodimus Prime or, or Hot Rod, Hot Rod is an acceptable uh, transition. I think the hashtag should be four. Rodimus now. <laughs> I love that. People will retweet that when you know what that means. Yeah, but it's just so it means, awesome. They're going <laughs> to hashtag Rodimus now. I'll do that. Wow. Yeah. You guys <laughs> You're like, I will make it here. Watch I will. This. Oh, I was going to say real quick, there's another thing I didn't put on our news list, but the the fastest spreading rumor of the week was that Carrie Fisher might be in the upcoming Star Wars movies. Oh, that's and not it's, true. Because right before that, true. it was that uh, it was that Han Solo will make a reappearance. Well, you know, they, they've talked about, they've said that uh, Mark Hamill, uh, Harrison Ford, and Carrie Fisher have all said that they would like to come back if they were asked. But there's no confirmation of that. Carrie Fisher was at a book signing somewhere. Someone overheard someone else getting their book signed and they said hey is it true you're going to be in the new star wars and she said yeah i thought it was common knowledge and then it like went all over the internet that she was going to be in the new star wars but (laughs) her publicist i mean her publicists are saying she's tongue-in-cheek there's no confirmation she's just being humorous you know okay there's no you know she likes to best with people right oh yeah She's like Gambon, man. <laughs> Gambon will just say stuff just to mess sure, with you. Why you know? not? Yeah, why not? You know? <laughs> it's like the, uh, the the Sheldon and Amy experiment to see how fast they can oh, get yeah. the rumor to spread. Yeah. <laughs> Our meme has now reached full penetration. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but there's no confirmation. It's just it's just a rumor. Yeah. And so just to There's going to be a lot of those going on. Plus, you know... Skywalker would have to play like Kenobi at this point, you know. Everyone's aged a couple years since then, so there's unless they do it like uh, uh, Schwarzenegger in the last Terminator movie, where they just morph his young head on some <laughs> bodybuilder's body. <laughs> yeah, he's in it. It's great. Do it. <laughs> do it. But uh, I'm going to talk about Halo Four now. Uh, it is. Uh, it's out. I've played it for a week. The multiplayer is amazing. Uh, even better than I think the last uh, the Reach multiplayer. There's some really cool stuff, and they've they've done it a little bit differently. I like it. Reach two, reach around. <laughs> yeah, it's well. The, there were things about Reach's multiplayer, while excellent, I didn't particularly care for, and I think they fixed a lot of that. Um, Do they still have the birthday party option where you can shoot the grunts in the head, and, they, and then they explode and <laughs> very, confetti very goes everywhere? And yeah. They go, Yay! <laughs> yeah, there there is that. Uh, there's those kind of you can. There's you a, do get the firefight style play. I ask. Yeah, there's there's firefight style play. It's not called firefight yeah, anymore. Yeah, there's scenarios that you can do and arrange like firefight. Yeah, but that uh, was basically. our poker night, so we need that. <laughs> uh, the story, I will tell you this, and I won't do any spoilers, but I will tell you that the first couple chapters of the campaign are boring. Uh, to be wah, honest, wah. Uh, at least to me. At least they're not uh, inside someone's colon, you know. There is no colon fighting. Uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of checkpoints, a lot of lonely battlefields uh, where you're not really particularly doing anything except wandering around and killing aliens that you've killed in all the previous games. That didn't excite me a whole lot. But uh, once you get into it and start meeting people, excellent. When you when you finally get to the UNSC uh, players and, and you got some other things to do and some people to to deal with, much better. There's some crazy story uh, storyline in there, including the uh, I'll give you a little bit of stuff, but uh, part of the origins of the human race are addressed, uh, which is really cool. Awesome. That is cool. Uh, so it really is neat. <laughs> Be like that next gen episode <laughs> yeah. where they all get together on that planet. <laughs> 
Turns out you're all brothers. Yeah. Guess what? You wonder why you all look the same and you all spoke English? Now we know. Yeah. Uh, so, or like the, the time when Q brings him back, he's like, imagine every part of your history came from this puddle of goo. Which <laughs> yeah. I will now pee in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? It didn't happen. Whoops. I wonder why. You know, yeah. Well, you've just killed the entire human species. Uh, so there's, which, you know, why did, if Q could do that before, why didn't he be- you know, do that. But anyway. it wasn't exciting. That's yeah. why. Come on. Because <laughs> it bored. was less fun. He wasn't as bored then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's it's a it's an incredible piece. I would say I have not finished the campaign yet. I I can't say that it is better or worse than Reach. It is different, and the Prometheans are pretty cool. Well, I can't wait to check it out. It's sitting on I the know, counter, still wrapped up. I got mine as my Christmas spirit gift. Like two week or a week after you got yours, and yours is still sitting in the cellophane hey, on the counter. Speaking of, we have just decided that that <laughs> spirit gift, yeah, spirit gift. <laughs> this that's awesome. This is now we've decided that we're not even going to call it spirit. We're just going to call it the season of giving, and we're, we're going to give our gifts whenever we damn well please. And that's how it is. <laughs> that's how it is. If you don't like it, you don't get a gift. You don't get one. <laughs> Let's basically allow you've done it for me for years. Hey, well, yeah, there you come go. on. We just made it official. It's like, well, it does work out because, you know, I hate waiting. Damn right. <laughs> Giving or getting. That's right. I don't care. I, yeah, I got you some stuff. You should have that now. Well, as soon as I have some time off, I'm going to be playing Halo 4 with Chuck and oh, yeah. also uh, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed, Creed 3, right? oh, which yeah. I, I got started with, but haven't been able to really pick up just because... Like six busy, nights in a row, you're like, we're going to play, and then you get down, you're like, I don't feel like playing. Well, yeah, because I am busy, and I get tired, and I'm old. <laughs> and I'm old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Prove it. You're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. What else we got here? All right, uh, quick little science news. Apparently, scientists are saying that the soil that they found on Mars is similar to soil that is in Hawaii, um, volcanic soil. So I just thought that was So if you ever felt like you were living on Mars when you lived in, in, uh, in Hawaii, now you know. There you go. And like Hawaii, Mars is not officially a U.S. state. Apparently. <laughs> oh, <crap. laughs> One day, maybe we'll have a president from Mars. Um, Puerto Rico will soon be a state before Hawaii technically is. Yeah. So for those of you who are into crafts, there is a cool... <laughs> Did you really just make that reference? Yes. I hope you like crafts. Nobody's going to get nice. that. Thankfully. You got that. Oh, yeah. he, of course he's going to get it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, there's a website called witchcrafts.blogspot.ca. Uh, now it's W-I-C-H-crafts dot blogspot dot ca and this chick is so cool she figured out a way to take barbie dolls and transform them into weeping angels from doctor who it's really really cool and she goes through step by step she asks people you know not to sell them because they're copyrighted you know properties and stuff but really awesome project that you can do um, she basically just takes pictures of each stage of the way and you know puts the hands up so they're covering the eyes and then she adds this um you know, this piece that's kind of like a robe. And then she paints it all this gray, this kind of cement color in the end. And it looks terrific. So that is, I just thought that craft people would be into that. Oh, yeah. Because I thought it was awesome. Hell, yeah. 
Hey, I, I have a piece of news that uh, I, did you guys notice that Lucille Bliss died this last week? Oh, right. You mentioned that to me. The um, the voice right. of Smurfette, right? Right, right. I know it's not a big discussion, but still, I I felt like it it bared mention. You said she was like in an assisted living facility in Atlanta. Is that what it was? Uh, California. Oh, California. My yeah. bad. She was 96, by the way. 96. Wow. That's that's yeah. awesome. That means that when she, she did the voice for Smurfette. Yeah. She was in her like 60s or 70s. No, no. The Smurfs were recorded earlier than that. They were recorded in, in the it? 1960s and 70s, weren't they? Really? No. I thought, I so. thought it was yeah. the 80s. I think so. I thought it was the 80s. Yeah, it was the 80s. I'm was pretty it? sure. I thought the 80s were rerunning them from earlier. Huh. Oh, that would be funny if that was the case. I don't I, know. I didn't I, know I, that. I, if. It could be. I remember them coming on TV in the 80s. But, I remember that too. Yeah, but I don't remember. I mean, if they were done in the '60s, still, that's that's pretty amazing. I wouldn't think they'd rehash them like that. But hey, I suppose they could have. Why not, man? They rehash all kinds of stuff. But uh, it's just probably one of those cool things where there's like this lady living in the home, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm Smurfette." You know, people are like, "No way." <laughs> she was the only woman in the home. <laughs> she was used to it. Yeah, was, uh, and see, I didn't remember any of the the lore of of Smurfs because my I was in it. So, I mean, the Smurfs came out in the eighties anyway, right? As I was trying to get rid of that whole mm, lower child mm, thing, right. I was more into Transformers and GI Joe than and Thundercats than. I just Smurfs. remember there was a teacher in high school who was very religious and and uh, was convinced that the Smurfs were satanic. Really, I had a teacher wow. in high school who collected every of of the little Smurfs. You remember, he used to make those little pla- plastic Smurfs mm-hmm. and they were doing all their jobs and stuff like that. He had a, I don't know, it was some kind of glass case, but he had every Smurf ever made of the little figurine That's ones awesome. there and everything. And he can, and I'm like, why, why do you collect Smurfs? He's like, ah, my daughter and I started doing it and I just never stopped, I guess, you know, <laughs> he just had I all of them there, you know, I was like, that's cool. The need for completeness. Yeah, he wow, had the, every one of them. The Wikipedia entry on the Smurfs is surprisingly thorough and has a really interesting history. But Well, it's pop culture, yeah. Uh, well, it began as a Belgian comic and television franchise. In, crafty Belgians. Yeah, really. In 1958. Holy crap. Yeah, and the guy who was uh, in... Let's see the the French artist who was creating them oh, uh, at the time. Smurf, Smurf. He was also creating and uh, drawing and writing a Franco-Belgian comic series uh, called Johan and Pewit, <laughs> set in Europe during the Middle Ages, sword and sorcery. So that I think there is kind of a medieval quality to the Smurf. Well, yeah, they all know. live in huts and yeah, you know, exactly. And and Garga was it Gargamel? Looks like he's kind of a a French. Uh, uh, I don't know. I won't say peasant, but a French countryman. <laughs> Apparently, the the Belgian word for Smurfs is strumpfs. <laughs> There's a black and white eighty seven minute animated film in nineteen sixty five. So did did uh, what's her name do the voice for it? Smurfs uh, are oh, old. Okay, okay, you guys are right. The the Smurfs animated series started in 1981. Toned by Hanna Barbera. But I was crap. just saying, I thought that the Smurfs had a deeper history than that. Well, yeah, apparently they so, did. So we were both right. Smurfs on Ice. Smurfs. Smurfs in theme parks. I remember Smurfs on Ice. My brother and my mom went to that. Smurfs on Ice. Yeah. Nice. Oh, he was a huge Smurfs fan. 
And he was, of course, he's about three and a half years younger than I am. So that hit him square in the, the territory there. He was, he was big into it. Apparently, there was a Smurf UNICEF ad in 2005. <laughs> that I don't remember. An advertisement featuring the Smurfs was aired in Belgium in, was, in which the Smurf village is annihilated by warplanes. Cartman did UNICEF that in South Park, ad. didn't he? <laughs> it was Crap. with the approval of the family of the Smurfs creator. Wow. And it was a fundraising campaign yeah. to raise money for, uh, for rehabilitating former child soldiers in congo which was a belgian it was the colony, same song but belgian they just colony. replaced every verb with smurf, smurf yeah smurf 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 <laughs> that's horrible yeah it is <laughs> it's, I'm, just like, it's and, I'm glad uh, i'm glad on. the smurfs could be used to to raise money for that though that's that's pretty cool but we didn't have to burn them to do it well, I have quick uh, quick news for Alexander Skarsgård is the front runner to play the Tarzan in the new Tarzan movie, and I am I could have sworn that was going to be uh, uh, Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Sorry, I can't even say. <laughs> I it have been face. making George of the Jungle references for the past three weeks. You know, I'm That's like, just funny. get Brendan Fraser. George, George, George of the Jungle. I love Bre- I, you and me. I, That's I, funny that a Swedish actor dream. would play Tarzan. Oh, it's, you know, everybody's been making fun of me for for I like George of the Jungle. I always have. As a, uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> and I loved Brendan Fraser playing. I'm like, just get Brendan Fraser. It'll be fine. Yeah. It's it's great. And uh, I knew Tarzan. It sucks. But I love Tarzan. This I is the, the new thing. darker Tarzan. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> did Greystoke. Yeah, they did Greystoke. Blindingly white Tarzan. Well, yeah, they, they did the Legend of Greystoke, which was actually a pretty serious series a couple of years ago. It was really good. And I liked it. And, and they create the Cylons. I, I don't that think so. Awesome. I think that's uh, that's probably they they might have turned the Cylons to the dark side of, of vampirism or something. But yeah, Skarsgård, who plays Eric the North in True Blood, of course, is is uh, the front runner for Tarzan. Well, I could see that he's pretty hot. I mean, he's seriously cut and, could and do that. by the way, his dad Stellan Skarsgård from Thor is his dad. Really? Yeah. I did not. I know did that. not yeah, know that. I had yeah. to look it up because I'm like, and the the umlaut. He's not from Thor. Yeah, he is. He's from the Avengers. No. Um, <laughs> Chuck's like, I'm just going to be silent and let you keep guessing. Will hunting. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I did not gotten there. All right. Okay. <laughs> but, yeah, he plays uh, that other professor, right? The, right. Oh, that's him. Okay, I'm with you now. Anyway, yeah, Skarsgård will be uh, is is at least at this point is signed up to be Tarzan. Or at least that's the rumor. So I actually hope they do it, and I hope the the Tarzan gets made because I I'm a I'm a fan. I like that stuff. Nice, sweet. So did you guys hear that they're going to put the uh, first nine? They're going to put nine minutes of the Trek movie uh, as a trailer on the Hobbit movie. Wow! I did. Holy I did. crap! I but didn't hear that. I'm going to yeah. wait to see how the Hobbit movie turns out because I, I don't know the Hobbit the animated version scared the crap out of me when I was a kid and I'm not sure I can I want to do that again. But. I love Martin Freeman in the trailers that I've seen. He's just so like he's got that cute Hobbit face, you know. You just everybody look at, is cute as you, a Hobbit. You look at his face and you're just like, oh, who is oh. not cute as a Hobbit? <laughs> you're no thinking idea. you can't even no, think of anybody. Guy, um, can't think of any. You stolly. No, no, no. It's on the tip of no, my tongue. Which, out of Pippin and Mary, which was the one with the crooked jaw? What? 
Pip and Mary. Well, I know. I can know who Pip and Mary one are. One of them had like a really skinny face with like a pointed nose, and the other one had like a big square jaw that was kind of oh. offset like this. Yeah, I think I that was Mary. The one know. with the big square offset jaw, not cute as a hobbit. You like the crook-jawed one? No. The other one. No, oh. he's the one who's not cute. Oh, okay. I, no. All right. Just like, no, of course not. Fine. I think people would argue with you that they were cute anyway. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Somewhere Abby's going, no. But yeah, I mean, like you weren't going to go see The Hobbit anyway, but if you go see The Hobbit, uh, especially in IMAX, I guess, you're going to get you're going to get Holy 9 crap. minutes of the new Trek movie, so I still don't know if that's worth seeing The Hobbit for me. I'm you can probably get it online an hour later. But. Probably. Yeah, it'll, <laughs> it'll be in spontaneous appearances on YouTube for for an hour or two until they yank it down. Yeah. yeah. No. And then release it on their own. Oh, on, sure. People just release it. Release it. Oh, sure. I feel kind of cynical because I, I think The Hobbit will probably be a lot of fun, but I feel kind of burned out by all the, like, a year before the movie even comes out, we're going to start, like, leaking out pieces of information. And I just get exhausted. Doesn't The by, Hobbit you know? come out, like, in a month? Yeah, well, it comes out in a few a week weeks. or something? Like, right before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not like Star Trek's had any shortage of leakage here in the oh, last that's true. Year. I mean you've we've we've known but everything about it. They they're trying to build a wall right but the Hobbit, <laughs> the Hobbit stuff was like the big so thing well. at, at Comic-Con in July you know and it feels like for the last six seven months it's just kind of been I mean I am excited I would like to see it but I, I feel like we kind of get burned out where we're I'm giving, fine with that we're given these little morsels and we're I love it I love the little morsels I love seeing the little bits and pieces of it and everything Bing. <laughs> Yeah, it just makes me that much more excited to go see it. I, I mean, whatever the movie might be, like I'm, I, I'm excited about the Hobbit, but I'm more excited about Trek. Come on, Ham, hey, I'm, I'm a Trek guy. What can I well, say? You, yeah, you've always been more into sci-fi than fantasy. Anyway. I am. It's not that I don't like, you know, that I don't like fantasy stuff, but I, I just would. I'm really excited about the new Trek movie. So, you know, yeah, as a Trek guy, I think you'll appreciate this. I came across this today, and I can't believe that um, I hadn't heard of it before, but on Amazon, you can pre-order. It's called Star Trek Federation, The First 150 Years, and it's technically a hardcover book. Um, It's $52.85 right now pre-order, but here's why. Um, It's a special exhibit where it basically has a pedestal. And then the hardcover book um, sits on it like a, a rotating pedestal, like a museum display. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's got electronic lights and sound. It's uh, 13 and a half inches by 13 and a half inches by four inches. And there's an audio introduction when you when you open it up of um, you hit a button, Admiral and- Sulu. You hit a button, and it's Kirk. It's it's uh, it's Kirk saying, "Get a life." That's Sulu. You are not a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay, so it's an illustrated volume, and it chronicles the era leading up to humankind's first contact with Vulcan in 2063. Oh, nice. The Romulan War in 2156, creation of the Federation in 2161, and then the first 150 years of the uh, the Federation up into the year 2311. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Oh, so it, it covers the time of the original series, um, Enterprise, and then it the timeline ends just before where Next Generation would begin. Um, but they had a historian write it um, because he's a lifelong Star Trek fan, but he's actually a historian uh, you know, by profession. And Sulu begat Sulu Jr., 
<laughs> and it's got field sketches, illustrations, reproductions of historic pieces of art from across the galaxy, um, over 50 excerpts of Federation documents and correspondence, Starfleet records, uh, intelligence from the Romulan War. They've got an anatomical chart of the first known Trill symbiote. Oh, that's um, awesome. They've got a letter that comes out. It's like actually a letter in an envelope that you can pull out of the book that was written by the young Jim Kirk. A giant picture um, of Nog's junk. I mean, it's it's all there. <laughs> I mean, it's all there that for you. That is a significant part of the first 150 years. <laughs> Nog's junk is important. Yeah, Don't- it's really neat. They've they've got correspondence between people and, and cool. There's... um. There's a oh schematics of the Enterprise. Um, I'm trying to think of what all I saw, but but anyway, it's on Amazon. Um, the author is David A. Goodman, and you can pre-order. It releases December fourth. So I, I think that's kind of a probably going to awesome. be a popular Christmas present. Well, yeah, um, it for, be. for the Trek fans. Yeah, I mean, giant picture of a Klingon mean mugging. <laughs> be great. I just thought it was cool. I saw that. And I'm like, why have I not heard of this? I have this. You told me about it this morning before the cast. And that was the first time I'd heard anything about it. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't so know anyway, how that missed me. D- if you guys have watched anything at all on YouTube, and I know you've watched at least one thing on YouTube. Um, <laughs> recently, you've seen the Red Dawn trailer 43 times, right? Uh, I've seen it once or twice. Yeah. yeah. Wait, that movie hasn't YouTube. come out yet? Actually, no, that's, I was just like, that's not over. That's the funny thing. I, I was like, I had the same reaction. I'm like, that movie didn't come out yet. I look, sure enough, IMDb says that the reason it didn't come out was that uh, <clears throat> that the people making it got nervous that they were uh, that they were portraying China so badly. Uh-huh. And they switched the enemy in the movie to North Korea. North Korea. Yeah, which, right. again, I would fully agree, doesn't matter. I mean, it, whatever. The movie, it's not about the, the politics, okay? But... The funny thing is, so they go back and they had to re-render. I guess they like digitally changed them all, and that's what took so long. But you saw the trailer, and I saw it, and I had this feeling that I think a lot of people will likely relate to, which is, I saw it, and first of all, it looks like it's a pretty damn, it looks real similar to the first one, you know? The moments were all there. I'm like, damn I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And of course, you know. It's updated, but. Yeah, you know, Captain Kirk's dad and Thor are in it, right? Yeah. I mean, so you, the bottom line is I had that feeling that I think a lot of people relate to, which is I'm going to see this. It's going to suck. And I'm going to see it anyway. And I'm going to like it. I'm probably going to like it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Damn it. What's really interesting is that the Chinese government allows 34 foreign films per year to be let into their into their country and for viewers. What are the odds they're going to let this 34. in? 34 films. Is uh, it 34 foreign... every year from all countries? I guess so. I mean, that's the impression okay, I got okay. from reading this article. But Two of them are American. So, okay. So the film... <laughs> the other 470 Looper... are just French. re-released <laughs> under their... <laughs> just re-released. Sorry, I had to go Yeah, ahead. no, no. The, uh, the movie Looper... Um, had a whole bunch of scenes that were set in China that were cut because the director said that they drug out the film and, and he didn't want them in. They put them back in for the international release because they want you know to appeal to Chinese <laughs> Look, audiences. China! <laughs> well, you know, there are billions of people there to go into a theater. I mean, I'm just saying, you know. So Michael Bay is considering setting some, if not all, of Transformers 4 in China because he wants to tap into the Chinese market. He wants to be one of the 34, you know, he wants Transformers 4 to be one of the ones accepted in by the Chinese government. 
So they're actually making creative decisions about this. Wow. Where movies are not only being set in or including Chinese culture, but they're also being careful not to offend Chinese sensibilities or to make Chinese politics look bad. I wonder if Kung Fu Panda made it. <laughs> That's funny. You never know. <laughs> you never know. I'm, I'm a little disconcerted because, you know, I don't have a, a problem... You know, really? China's I'm, obviously a huge world power and, you know, they're kind of a looming giant and they've got a lot of stuff that's bigger so, and, and more powerful than us. they're not funding us, you know? the film anyway? They right, exactly. And we are massively in debt to China and everything we buy is made in China. And I'm not afraid of China being a world power, but I am a little bit afraid for creative license when the economics starts to creep in so much that people are like, well, in order to make money, we need to do what the Chinese government wants. Yeah, I don't, I, a little, I don't know if we're as we're quite there yet. I think, I think regardless I'm just of, saying these are the first footsteps down that path. Fair enough. Know? On a, on a, a significant note, we have our first retweet for the uh, retweet this. <laughs> if you'd like to see hot rod and transformers for, Hashtag Rodimus now. Sweet. Thanks to Tig's Panther, by the way. Yeah, Tig's <laughs> already retweeted it, so. You're like, yeah. <laughs> wow, old times. Indeed. <laughs> We're back. The poundy drums. <laughs> Which you played. <laughs> That's right. You remember those? Yeah, it does feel a little bit like old times. Yeah. Except uh, watching on YouTube, which was <laughs> it's Groundhog's <Yep>. Day again. <laughs> again? <laughs> That's funny. My word on Blood and Chrome is that it has reignited my interest a, a lot in in Battlestar Galactica. It was pretty cool. I was thinking, oh, yeah, I kind of already know the story, and then after the first couple episodes, I was like, yeah, yeah. Just to yeah, let everybody I'm, know, I'm getting into this. We're we're we are discussing episodes one, two, three, and four, which are essentially what is available on YouTube as of the time of recording. So, if you haven't watched any of those, you can pause right here and go take a whopping ten or fifteen minutes and watch all four of those. Yeah, I'd say it's probably closer to thirty. Yeah, you're right with all you're four right. of them. Uh, and three and four were kind of combined in an interesting way, wasn't yeah, it? That yeah, was kind of neat. They are on YouTube, so you just. Google Blood and Chrome on YouTube and you'll find them real easily. You can also watch them on your Xbox or anything that has access to YouTube. So pretty cool. Yeah, I, I kind of would prefer to watch it on something besides YouTube just because maybe it was just our connection or whatever. But, you know, here and there, the, the picture's kind of jumping around. It's buffering and, you know, it'll pause for a second to catch up. And So I, I don't mean to put any of you on the spot. I haven't looked because I was more interested in watching it than worrying about where it came from <laughs> and everything. tags and stuff coming down from the corner of the screen. But like, uh, it, I get the feeling that this was kind of a, intended to maybe be a, a pilot for a, a TV series and then it didn't pan out and then they yeah they, they chopped it into like 12 pieces or, whatever. or completed it with with maybe less detailed rendering and and then it made its way to machinima this has been a struggle for them blood and chrome's been around for a while as you remember uh back in the day even when uh caprica was still going right on, right it uh, was like blood and chrome was going to be the next thing and they were going to do and when caprica kind of went went away uh so did all the interest for blood and chrome uh, at first, and then they survive. You know, they revamped it a little bit and said, "Okay, well, it's not going to be a series; it's going to be a movie." And then it's not a movie anymore. We're going to do a you know direct to Blu-ray or DVD or whatever. 
and then that was, which is pretty much what they've done yeah i mean it's february or something yeah, they're releasing the the blu-ray yeah yeah uh so they're and it's gonna air on sci-fi around the same time yeah okay so, the one i'm sorry no go ahead i don't mean to interrupt again no no, no you're apologies. fine the one thing the one thing that that I do have to say that's kind of funny that I one bitch I have uh, the I noticed that it's the unrated version that will be oh, on YouTube. Crap. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, this is funny. Okay. We went from you know using frack and having this very adult environment which was created for you know I don't know adults. Y- yeah, adults. And then <laughs> whoops. And then uh, here we are where we can't say asshole. You know? Yeah, and they, they use a sound of like a, a wrench or something. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like in Oceans, you know, with the yeah. with the telephone ringing. Yeah. <laughs> that was, was funny, though. Yeah, so was this. That's the problem. It's like no, people Oceans, are saying. Oceans was deliberately funny. This I know, was unintentionally I know. This was, funny. Exactly, well, it's totally you know. isn't it? <laughs> I can't hardly get with their beat, can I? It's great. And I heard it, a techno song like that the other day, too. And I was like, seriously? <laughs> They're, they're playing Badge's song? That's what it <laughs> sounded nice. like. But yeah, I mean, okay, so yeah, I think we should be able to say asshole on, on Blood and Chrome, especially since it's a web release. I'm just saying, but that's that's my my uh, my one kind of bitch. I, I love the fact that, uh, first of all, just on the, talking about format, uh, I think this is really giving us an idea of what can be done with that lesser rendering that you see, like when they're willing to accept Less than what you would put on TV, but a little, you know, it looks like a good video game cutscene, but with a whole lot of live action stuff going on. When you plug a good writer into it, like you see happening here, I think this is kind of where some of that power should be going. You know, well, it was definitely a lot more polished than the web series that they've even put out of Battlestar Galactica before. Oh, I think they put a lot more into it. Yeah, you know? I think it was designed to be something else, but they kind of cut the middle and made the best they could with what they had. And it turned out to be this, which is not an indictment of which is great, yeah, quality or anything. It worked out well. You can tell that they're blue screened. You can tell that that the background doesn't quite match. I don't care. I mean, I felt like I I I very quickly forgot about all that and got into the story. You know. Yeah, and to be honest, they did that in the later series of you know later seasons of Battlestar Galactica as well. They, you know, they were mixing and matching with their budget and trying to make stuff work that maybe necessarily wouldn't in any other way. And they had some of that. They had in Caprica, too. It wasn't, uh, it's not something they haven't employed uh, recently with this series. They just relied on it more heavily this time because I think there were more budgetary constraints than there were before. But it still works. It's a viable medium that you can still tell a story with. It felt like a really high budget web series instead of a really low budget TV series. Yeah, which yeah. is kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, I will be honest. I really didn't want to like it. Uh, that was not something I had been so burned out on Galactica and everything. I'm like, I have seen everything they have seen, you know. And you know what? It was it was good. I was surprised. Yeah, I, w- I was a little um, skeptical at first because I thought. It's going to be predictable. You know, it's going to be the same old thing. Like you see, um, can we talk about content? We can talk Please, about content. Yes, right? okay. let's go straight right. there. Actually, you see um, the young Adama, you know, meeting this woman who's going to go on the, the trip with them. They meet in the co-ed showers, you know, and he looks at her kind of smitten as she walks away. You know, I think that's my towel. And she grabs it and walks away and he kind of looks after her. And I and I immediately was kind of primed to think, 
oh God, okay, here we go, you know, hot woman. And she turns out to be more powerful and more sexy than anyone could have anticipated, you know, uh, exotic accent. And he's going to fall in love with her. And it's so predictable. And then when they're, um, you know, they're in the, uh, the Raptor and they have to shake off the, uh, the Raiders, the silent Raiders that are attacking them. They do the thing where they, we're going to thread the needle, you know, and, uh, and Kavanaugh from, uh, you know, Cooker, but Kavanaugh sorry, from yeah. Stargate Atlantis, yeah, who, you know, who the does not rec- yeah. Um, Good role was, for him, on by the way. He's that big turret in the back. He's like, he actually says the line, let's see if this slows him down. And then starts I would firing probably the turret. Say that. And I, I just like, want to say. I was like, really? He's firring the turret. You know, I would and then they're that. like, I would we're say gonna, that too. We're going to yeah. thread the needle. And then we see, you know, Adama's mad piloting skills with Z. And then the, the Cylon Raiders blow up because they can't make it through that kind of agility because no one is as good as him. And. Those are okay, the things. I watched the original series, and I will point out that the Cylons are not that good. Yeah, those if Cylons, they're they, not even they, bullet they do heads. They not they're, turn particularly well. Yeah, those or, are the toaster brand, too. But we've seen it Fact. before, and the, you know what I mean? And those are the things that I was looking at in the beginning to say, it's going to be predictable. This romance story and this these action sequences are going to be obvious. But it did not work out that way. It It actually turned out to be a lot more original than i expected yeah i think the first big question i kind of had and it, it it interested me a lot the fact that um i never thought a lot about the cylon war you know the the real cylon war you just assume that it's like okay uh you know humanity they they rebelled and then it was a fight for your life thing and you know in hindsight i say hindsight because they seem to be insinuating this you know it didn't quite work out that way. It probably started that way. But as the Cylons sort of made their own place and sort of backed away and began to semi-offer the opportunity of, you're not going to win, you're not going to lose, we're just going to separate and go yeah, our own ways. Yeah, we can live our own lives. And Yeah, that the war seemed to take on a different turn, a part that we've never really explored. You know, it's not all out man against machine. It's like... It's sort of it. It had this Vietnam feel to it, and and not just because we had. I mean, obviously, uh, Coker gave us this kind of impression of this battle. You know, this person who didn't want to be there, but I mean, and you had the that captain or the commander of the ship, right? The the male commander say we're ten years into a bad war. Yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. But the thing that really kind of sewed it up for me and and, and kind of tied the Vietnam connection was the fact that you had uh you had this weird mix of like people who didn't want to be there that were essentially conscripted, as well as really like gung ho people who were military and who were and uh, who were looking for the advancement and the experience, you know? And and that that feel that feels a lot like Vietnam, and you have this weird kind of connection of people that you wouldn't expect, and it makes for really interesting a way to draw that story without actually connecting to the other political expediencies and concerns of of, of Vietnam. That's that's really interesting writing, you know. I wouldn't. Yeah i I liked the the whole ghost fleet thing. Uh, yeah, just because it's like okay. You know, it's not as as desperate as, and you're you're being rather. It's not just a standard kind of rank and file type thing. You've got an entire fleet behind their lines that is going to go and ransack something that they're, you know, a world that they're holding, and you know, you've assembled all this fleet of essentially dead people, 
uh, yeah. have been reported gone, missing, dead, and all that kind of stuff, just so the sidelines won't find it. And you're going to go hit them way beyond where the front lines are. And the fact that, you know, they are putting this on for the Cylons, but they're going all the way. I mean, all the other humans think they're dead too. So yeah. they're, they're not, you know, messing around. They're not like kind of semi bluffing, like all of their friends and family have had to kind of think that they're dead and, and begin to move on. And I think the emotional drama of this, uh, of this part of the, what of the series so far was my favorite. You know, when uh, Coker tells this guy who he thought had been dead. Sunshine. Was his name Sunshine? Wasn't his name? Cause well, I, that was his call sign on the yeah, plane yeah. behind oh, yeah, him. Yeah. He, when he tells him about his son and how he looks, you know, like his mom, but he's got his eyes and he's like, I have a son? And he just, you know, that you see this guy BSG light moment. up. That was awesome. Yeah, because what made BSG so incredible were the, the character stories and the father and son storylines were some of the strongest in all of Battlestar. Oh, I agree. And it, it, it also kind of separated uh, Coker and Kavanaugh a little bit, you know, because up, <laughs> up until that point, it was kind of hard a little bit having seen him as Kavanaugh because he was acting a lot like Kavanaugh. You know, he was right. just really annoying. Uh, but when he got excited... Uh, when, Sharing the news. Well, yeah. and when he first got excited, when they succeeded in in not getting killed with the, and doing their job a little bit, and he kind of you could tell he cares a little, you know. But he was worn out. And then when he when he did that, when when he broke the news to to Sunshine, and he was so excited about and happy about that, he's starting. He's already a three D character, and I'm like, yes, yeah, you know, yeah. this this feels right. This feels. Well, yeah, you figure he's going to be just that that miserable dude who just wants to do. Now, the fact that they've humanized him and they've made him worthwhile, I really think he's going to die soon. Well, and I that's why I listened to him when he said, "I th- man, you just signed us up for a one way trip." I mean, before I would have been like, "He's just whining," but now I'm like, "No, no, he, he cares," you know? Yeah, and he's gonna. I think both him and Sunshine are going to buy it, but that's just personal opinion. Uh. I mean, we know, and I, you know, the best part about this is we learned where Husker got his name. Oh, I yes. love that. I love that. And he just, for whatever reason, he just kept it because you could tell he don't like it, you know, which is the best kind of call yeah. sign. Yes. You know, yes. The, the one you like he's some kind of farm boy and he's like, well, I grew up in Caprica City. Yeah, like, Husker, yeah, whatever, shut Husker. up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're Husker, shut up, you know. And that's what happens. So, like, he's such a noob. Yeah. He may as exactly. well be a farm boy. <laughs> exactly. You know. And you, you grow into that and you, you finally own your call signs. That's how it happens. You know, uh, your friends, there's a big guy named tiny. Yeah, exactly. Your friends give you your names and you're not supposed to like them at first. (laughs) Bones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The, uh, the guy, uh, Pasqualiano, right. That they have playing the young Adama is I think really well cast because he is incredibly fresh faced and he does that. He's also pretty expressive. Yeah. Yeah. And he does that super confident. And yet, you know, you know, he's got to be 21, but he looks like he's about 12. Yeah. He just. Yeah, but he's really good at what he does and he just has no idea what's going on. God, you know? that scared the crap out of me when he, when they just almost died and went through those, um, what were they, Chuck, those, uh, we were joking, it was like a platforming game. Oh yeah. It, it was something to do with the FTL drive of the, of the ship and, and he said the FTL drive is still active. And he was trying to like get the timing right. Where yeah. And there were some kind of big it. piston things that yeah. were in the FTL and he was, uh, 
Uh, and Coco's just like, no, are you counting? No, no. Yeah. and then he gets him through, and and you can see the woman is like freaking terrified. Out yeah, and yeah. he's just like, this is what we do. And I was like, great, you know, you look you look like someone after a football game, you know, whose team won. Yeah, and you're like, well, yeah, but it's the adrenaline burst. Yeah, yeah, but that terrifies me. I would not want to be in the back of a raptor with a guy who. Here's what's going to happen though, takes right? Because we know that in the in the future he is a super ballsy guy. Yeah. But and and but he has some really messed up views of the Cylons and of of the connection between humans and Cylons. Right. And it comes from whatever experiences he had in the Cylon War, which we're getting ready to see. And so, he has an intense hatred and distrust of them. Yeah. And he's got to get that from somewhere. Now he was anxious to kill them before, but it's just more of a That was a, more of a young kind of young patriotic you know, wild child type thing. Like he's, Miles O'Brien, you know, when he first gets going and he, he makes those kind of racist comments about killing Cardis yeah. and stuff. I mean, he's just, it's just ignorance. And he know? hates the right. Jem'Hadar and then he meets the Jem'Hadar right, and, right. you know, it's that, I am Miles O'Brien and I am very much alive. You know, yeah. I mean, he, every time you say that, I think 80 of years CNN. in prison, irons him out. Right? <laughs> I, I, I just, uh, Google it. Okay. <laughs> like, I know, but I, 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 I think it's that hard charging attitude that's going to put him in the situation that's going to give him whatever experience it is that's going to change him. Yeah, he doesn't have one of those. Later on in life, he doesn't have one of those, uh, I guess, uninformed opinions of them. Something happened to him, yes. and he car- he's carrying that yes. with him because either he screwed up or he was in some place where, where the silence did something so horrible he's never forgiven them for it. And he never he doesn't until the very very last episode of the series he never forgives them for it. And another thing that I think is worthy of kind of throwing into that pile of thought is that this is prior to the change in Cylon direction where they changed from being like you know from just fighting to like going off on their own and making trying to become human and and and. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, that whole messed yeah. up becoming human and then destroying the humans because they're not what they uh, what they expected them to be. And and that's I wonder if the connection between whatever happens to Adama, because we know Adama is important. One thing we learned from the end of the BSG series, right, is that there's no accidents here. Like there are yeah, people, there was a plan. Well, and the people who were Cylons and the people who were important were important for a reason. And he was important. You know, so I, I just get this feeling that he's going to whatever that experience he has is, is also going to trigger the direction the of the. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he is in some way going to be not fully, but connected or directly yes. responsible for nuking involved in it yeah. one way or the other in the whole st- this chain of events is connected I nuking think, his you know? race. Yeah. And this this woman who's uh, I can't remember her title, but her last name is Kelly. She's the one who, basically, the scientist who engineered the Cylon brain, that's going to play in at some important level here. Yeah, no kidding. Again, showing that I think we're heading towards something that's going to change the way this, that's going to head the Cylons toward the skin job era, you know, and that new plan. And that's, uh, man, that's exciting. I'm kind of interested to see how that works out, because this is a really interesting Point of time. I was really worried that Blood and Chrome was going to be like all the exciting, 
you know, space scenes with none of the story. And that was Viper really dogs sp- flying around, blowing things up. And, and I honestly was ready for that and would have watched that, to be honest. I they probably they seem to have cut the line again. There's uh, a lot of action. but Yeah, there's a lot of action, but there's also some story behind it and some meaning that you had not previously gotten before. I was really hoping the plan was going to be like this. You know, when they released that, yeah. you're like, oh, man, it's going to be great. The no you know? plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're just like, what? You know, I wasn't very impressed with the plan. <laughs> Wah? Uh, <laughs> Wah? Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's what they should have called it. Wah? W-A-A. Yeah. And and this, you're getting that. I figured Blood and Chrome was going to be A, different, and B, not good. And I wasn't going to care about it. Right. And I, un- unfortunately, that is not the case for, for my uh, eating crow. But it is good. There is story. There is different uh, elements that you had not seen before. You're getting a lot more insight into how this began and you're only a couple episodes into this. So I'm actually excited to see it. Hey, Sean, did you notice that uh, the woman who plays the commander of the uh, crap, you know, the, the ship that oh, sunshine's so on, you know, yeah, the, the chick commander. Um, yeah. The, the female commander, um, she played, Sergeant Hadrian, the master at arms. Is that who that was? In yeah. season one oh, of yeah. Battlestar. You remember when they found out that the um, particular weapons and, and things had been taken? And yeah. I, wasn't she the one who ran that investigation yes. where they had to interrogate she everybody? Was. Yeah, she looks so familiar. And I'm like, yeah. who is that? Yeah. But well, she mean, was in Stargate as well. It's yeah. been almost 10 years since they filmed the, the BSG miniseries, though. I recognize her, but I didn't recognize who she was. Was I'm like she is familiar, you know. At first I thought it was Ensign Rowe, and then I'm like, well, no, no. that's not no, who that no. is. Well, it's just the brief yeah, head, head right. turn they gave you the first time you see her, you're like, who the hell is that? Well, and then she's Canadian, and she lives in in well Vancouver. You, she lives yeah, in Vancouver, so you get the idea. She's in yeah. everything. Yeah, Jill Teed, I think T E E D. Yeah, but yeah, she yeah, was in SG One. Yeah. She played the woman who was in Wormhole Extreme. Yeah, you like remember? the uh, the Sam Carter. She had short, dark hair as Sam Carter. Ah, yeah. This is an excuse to watch Wormhole Extreme yeah. again. <laughs> the first one and the second. Nice. It's what I do. It's what I do. It's what I do. It's what I do. <laughs> it's <was> awesome. <laughs> but oh yeah. my God. I'm sorry. We watched a uh, couple years old Saturday Night Live the other night and they had. Uh, the MacGruber, except it was a uh, um, crap. Richard Dean Anderson was in them, and they they'd have the guy saying MacGyver, and then it would explode, and then it would like come back to the present, and then MacGruber, and it would blow up. Yeah, MacGyver was MacGruber's dad. Yeah, <laughs> it was awesome. It was, it was pretty. And he had on this fake mullet wig. <laughs> This is older Richard Dean Anderson with this horrible <laughs> mullet wig on. And like the plaid shirt with the, the puffy was vest and was the great. jeans. <laughs> it's quality. I don't think the plaid shirt with the puffy vest will ever come back. I, <laughs> yeah. I really don't. Not when paired with a mullet. Yeah. Well, just either MacGyver itself. or MacGruber. Yeah. <laughs> it it, it, it just doesn't fly. work. Did they know? make a MacGruber movie? I don't know. They did. Know. They made a whole MacGruber movie. Uh, I, I never saw it, but... I think there are many people who can say that. <laughs> I, I never saw it. You know, um, it's a little uh, off the topic of Blood and Chrome, but I always thought that it was a shame that Caprica got, you know, just kind of cut off before it finished because I actually really liked Caprica a lot. And my only difficulty with it was that it was just a little bit too intense for me. Like it, it was a little bit too scary in terms of like, 
um, what the kids were doing in that alternate world and some of the uh, some of the psychological disturbing quality was just a little bit too much for me. It was almost too intense to take on a regular basis. But that said, there are elements of Caprica that were just fascinating. And, and I no one's ever done that kind of thing on TV before, like having the characters like the the woman who is the uh, the spiritual mistress at that religious school and then she's got like five or six spouses that are male and female did you ever see the the end of, of I caprica didn't know. i i did i, I, I watched it all the way couple. through did you watch it John? i stopped after they threatened to kill the dog yeah, right yeah. yeah i did too and then eventually like in in fact it was like in a two day period i sat down and i had some free time and i just watched the remainder of them like in order and uh, it, it was kind of rough. I can see why. I think you you're onto something, Audra. That that uh, there was a lot to it. I, I think that that it was a bit. It was so dark and so ugly that it was just hard to everybody. You didn't like anybody, you know. Yeah, but yeah, I, and- I I got that impression as well. I, I mean, first season when you're threatening to shoot dogs. Nope, I'm out. It's you know? just it, yeah. if you're gonna make your audience go through a lot of emotionally gut-wrenching things there has to be some redemption there has to be comedic breaks you know even in shakespeare's tragedies you know the darkest of the dark like macbeth you know or sorry the scottish play (laughs) (laughs) um even in those dark even in those darkest plays you still have like a fool or a grave digger or a messenger or somebody who comes in and tells a funny story just to give the audience a break because Shakespeare understood that you can only take so much violence and, and murder and darkness and ambition and greed before you need a little bit of release. Well, I, th- I think for me, I just really, you know, I, I get the feeling that this kind of problem, uh, like what happened, the, the strange psyche that is the Cylon, you know, that's, thank you. <laughs> it is all types. But uh, I, I thought, you know, I, I think it takes more than just hatred or ugly to do that. It takes like a desire, a really strong desire to do the right thing and a really bent way of seeing what the right thing is. And and I felt like they were kind of heading toward that in, in some ways. But um yeah, this feels I, I get a much stronger feeling with this actually. Bloody chrome. Yeah, and that's saying something. Yeah. That it's gonna head somewhere that's really gonna explain yeah, something. Yeah, it's exciting. It feels like it I think Sean, maybe I, I you were kinda saying this at the start, you know, it feels more like BSG than any of the other things that we've it does. seen. It does. Uh, at know? least to me anyway. Uh the plan didn't cut it for me. Caprica was good, but it was it was not my Agreed. Agreed. I uh, will say that. And then this feels more like revamped BSG than anything else I've seen. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny, too. Uh, we do actually, I, I, I we have to hurry, but we have two calls Ooh, sweet. that are really important to get in here. Uh, hey, guys, this is uh, David from Victoria. Um, <laughs> I can have this on the forums. Uh, just wanted to say I uh, watched the first couple of episodes of the uh, BSG uh Blood and Chrome. Uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, a lot of lens player, like the uh, the new Star Trek movie. But uh, uh, yeah, the uh, yeah they, they they were making some kind of callbacks. I think trying to you know invoke the feeling of the old series, like calling the Raptor a bus and uh, 
having problems with the gyros. Um, I thought it was interesting, their, their method of censorship, that every time someone was going to say, like, ass, something, then they, uh, they uh, had a clang of a tool or something. I thought it was weird. Um, I, ha I have some, some more ideas, but uh, I'm getting a little nervous here, so I'm going to go. Okay, bye. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> one, one had to make the historic Seriously moment. Old times. Yeah. Yeah. Did he call on something like... He called the call line, actually. Wow. He didn't... Uh, this he didn't is, send it in. <laughs> if, if this happens to be your first time listening, one actually is my co-host on uh, on Modern Geek yeah. and uh, did Save Eureka was our co-host for all the episodes we did there. F this week. Uh, and he's yeah. Drew. F he this week. Go. Yeah, he makes us go. So the, uh, the voicemail system, actually, he decided... <laughs> Well, it's funny that he called it to put in. He also, uh, that was a callback to his first call that we played on the air back before we knew him. And uh, that was a long time ago. So Several years, one yes. su would suggest. Yes. And, 06 uh, or 07. One was one of the wonderful things that BSG brought. I will just say that. But I, I will, as you heard, I like the tool clang as well. Though I think it, I think it was something whole as opposed to ass something. But I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm nitpicking. Um, I, I, if I was no, funny, I, don't th I think he's right. I think he's right because that's how oh, they, no, they, that's how they, they censor whole. No, they didn't. They censored ass. Oh, did they? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't pay attention. I'll go back. And, I did. Yeah, I, you know, these things are important to me. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about the tang. <laughs> what yeah. was in that drink? <laughs> but seriously, yeah, uh, there there were some there were some callbacks. I, I I'll tell you what, we have another call. Let's take it first here. Wow. Now, does blood and chrome take me back to the beginnings of this podcast? Wow, I, the last couple of weeks I've been watching it and wondering if the Red Fanta would show up and discussion about the eye patch for Ty. But I will say that these webisodes, also known as a full-length feature movie to be aired on Sci-Fi later on, are incredibly better quality. It's not really backstory, but yet it is. It fills in the gap between Caprica and... BSG, as we knew it, and a couple of reoccurring characters, some that shouldn't be there from BSG and some that are logically there from Caprica, but I'm loving the storyline. The special effects are absolutely gorgeous. Got to watch it on high D. It's uh, an incredibly fast-paced story, uh, really intriguing, uh, liking very much where Webisodes three and four have been going, or episode three and four, whatever you want to call them. And it's really great to see BSG, the BSG universe, on the big screen, little screen again. And look forward to hearing what you guys have to say about it. I'm really liking it so far, and I hope you are too. That's all I have to say for now. Shoot her out. Great to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's uh, the little screen. I like that. The very little screen <laughs> with ads around it and... Reminds me of uh, when Neil Patrick Harris was hosting one of those award shows, and he's like, why would you want to see TV like this when you could see it like this? And making the little, <laughs> <laughs> little box for the Because this is what we got, thing. okay? It's, yeah, that's it's exactly. what we got. Uh, so it was, I don't know, there was a lot more to Blood and Chrome than I thought there was going to be. I will admit that. Also, uh, a surprising amount of of caring that I had for Husker as a young man. I like him a lot better as a kid than I did as a 
as a commander. Oh, he was scary as hell as a commander, but he was a great character. I mean, oh, he's a great character. I will say so. Yes, uh, I I think I like him better as a kid thus it, far. D- it he was really powerful in the first few seasons, and 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 that issue that we were talking about early really drove things off the rails. Yeah, he uh, really wheels quick. came <laughs> off the wagon pretty quick. As as they I can't wait on. to see why. Whatever's going to happen soon, he's going to be emotionally scarred, and then he's going to grow a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> you know what we make this better? Mustache, you know, bro, stash. That's what we need. Uh, I just, yeah, but I, you know, I I'm I'm dying to see what happens. And that's saying something, you know, I, uh, yeah. Um, uh, Friday, I guess it's November 23rd. The next two, uh, the next two come out. So it'll be episodes five and six. Right. And then the following Friday, two more. I can't remember how many there are, but anyway, they're Fridays being released two at a time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we'll probably talk about this again. Uh, I think it's, I, I'd be happy to talk about it as they come out. So uh, if you are interested, we would love to hear from you both uh, just, just calling in to say, Hey, but also I would love to hear what you think about the story and about the details. Remember, I mean, this, it's been so long since we did this, but what uh, I, I'm fascinated by what you think is going to happen. How is this going to connect everything? And, and, you know, what do you think about the characters and why are they the way they are? And, you know, let's let's dig into this. This is a lot of fun. So give us a call. 214-296-9229. 214-296-9229. And we'd love to play your call. And it is time for us to wrap up. Audra, do you have anything to add here at the end? I don't think so. I think I said everything. I, I was really <laughs> pleasantly excited by the by Blood and Chrome. So I'm looking forward to upcoming stuff. Um the next thing that I'm really stoked about is catching the new Bond movie. So. Yes, I want to do that. Maybe this week we could do that. that yeah, and fun. when you watch Blood and Chrome, there's a, a 30 second Bond every trailer single for time. every clip. It's, like, it's not yeah. fair. I want to see it. Every... <laughs> and over and over, you just get like more and more enticed, and by the end, you're like, "Oh, we gotta go see the Bond." Did you guys see the Top Gear special on Bond, 50 Years of Bond Cars? Oh, no. no. When did that come out? When was I that? I don't know. It was this year. Crap! I'm gonna go find it. It had Sky. They were interviewing people from Skyfall and the okay. people who cre- created the original DB5 and <sighs> what it was that. almost. And yeah, it was hosted by Hammond, and uh, he he walked you through like every significant Bond car uh, there was and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know. It was really, really. It was an hour and a half episode or whatever. It was really good. I that will be on my plate ASAP. (laughs) I promise you, sir. Yeah, it was really excellent. (laughs) The reason I haven't seen it, didn't know it was there. (laughs) That's the only reason. Uh, Thanks to BD Groundhog for retweeting our second retweet. Woo-hoo. Yes. Nice. Yes, that's right. Rodimus now. Rodimus now. Use you can retweet mine. You can come find it. GWC Chuck. You can come find a retweet or just uh, just use the hashtag. Let's get that going. Uh, And thank you. Uh, We'll see you next week. On behalf of everyone here at GWC, thanks for listening. And thanks to all who make GWC possible, including producers Soleil, forum moderators Badger Spoon, Pike, and Frack and Talos, GWC book club maven Casilda, and tech guru Juan Drew. Remember, if you'd like to share your opinions with the GWC crew and listeners, you can call us anytime at 214-296-9229, extension 701. You can also contact us via galacticwatercooler.com, our website and blog. But you should really spend some time over on the GWC forum. GWCers really are the friendliest people on sci-fi. And we're always re-watching a group reading something fun. You might even find a GWC meetup somewhere near you. 
GWC is funded by advertising and by listeners like you. For information on how you can donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash support. Finally, special thanks to Ferris and his friends Encoder and Jim Minadeo for GWC's sweet theme music. For more Encoder, visit them at myspace.com slash Encoder.